As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. I think we're now on episode 102. We are just about a year into our brand new podcast, Built to Last. So thank you again for tuning in and supporting us. I'm thrilled to bring this next series to you. I was thinking about today's topic as I was writing here in my notes. I took about three pages of notes. And once I got three pages in on only one of the topic, one of the three topics that I originally was going to cover today, I thought, you know what? This really needs to become a multi part series. So I'm going to break this down into three parts. And we're calling this series Beyond a Million, Beyond One Million. So this is Beyond One Million, part one. And I'm going to go ahead and dive right in and tell you that today's topic is going to be around team. So what does Beyond Million mean? And who is this? three-part series really for. Beyond a Million is for business owners who are either extremely close to reaching a million dollars in a year, or those of you who have already surpassed a million dollars and you're there right now. You're already making a million dollars a year. Maybe you're at 1.2, 1.5, 1.8, and you've got really big goals to get to 5 million, 7.5 million, 10 million, and possibly even beyond. And specifically, I'm talking to online business owners who might call themselves a strategist, a coach, a thought leader, an expert, a consultant, and you have developed over the past few years leveraged one-to-many programs. You might call them a group program, group coaching program, a membership program, a mastermind program. Perhaps you have a certification program. Even a high-touch course that is taught live over the course of two, three, or four months. Some people call their programs courses, other groups. Uh, What would not fit into this category is self-study courses where you're simply filming videos, selling them for two or 300 bucks and people buy them. They make one payment, they've got it for life and they never ever get to see you or talk to you and they're not in any type of community. So I'm not speaking about a business model that where it's based on that or products or, or things of that nature. So you've got leveraged programs and you probably began your groups many years ago when you shifted your business model from one-on-one to group. And you thought that back then, back then, now you know the real deal, but back then you thought it was going to be a piece of cake. You thought it was going to be easy. You thought you were going to have all the time in the world. And look, that is one of the reasons why any of us transition from predominantly working with clients in a one-on-one capacity to a group. We want to leverage our energy, our impact, our income, and our time so that we can have more time to continue to develop ourselves as individuals, to develop our businesses, grow our business, and have a life, right? So many of us started a business because we wanted more freedom. And there came a point in your business where 
you began to experience what I call hyper growth inside of your group programs. What I mean by that is the volume of clients that you now serve has significantly, possibly even drastically increased. And more than likely, you probably have more than one leveraged program. Maybe you have your flagship group program, and then you've got some degree of a mastermind program or whatever you call it. Maybe you don't call it a group program and maybe you don't call it a mastermind, but you know what I mean. And the way that your program was delivered, formatted, structured, and run, it has to now change. And look, you've made some changes over the years, but the ball game is not the same as when you had 10 people in your program for the first time or 20 people or 30 or even 40. Now you've got even more than that. Like you've crossed having 40 people in one of your programs. And if you're somebody who's got two programs, you might even have a hundred plus clients that you are serving. And you can no longer be as involved with the day-to-day operations and delivery and client support of those programs as you once were when enrollment was at a lower volume. I mean, I'm not saying that you can't. You could be. Of course, you could be. But if you are too heavily involved with those three areas, those three categories in your business, you've created a job for yourself. You've created a job for yourself and you've gotten your business as far as it will go. So today, the the three-part series, we're going to talk about what's stopping people, what's preventing them, or what's, what's making it so hard to go from a million and double, triple, quadruple, or even 10X that. Now, I have been on a team where I was in a leadership position in the company and my title was uh, director. I had a, I was like a program director. Um, I have renamed that that position in the coaching and e-learning and online business development space, uh, and I'm calling it a client success coordinator. So remember that in your mind. It is called a client success coordinator. So that is the role that I played, and I came into a company. I first came into the company as an apprentice. I'll just sort of share the backstory here. I came into the company as an apprentice. I did not know who the business owner was. I'd actually never heard of her and somehow was connected to a video that popped up of hers. Maybe somebody else shared it, that who I was connected with on a social media platform. I watched the video and I thought, wow, this is a like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I don't know who she is. I don't know anything about her brand. I've never purchased anything from her. I've never listened to anything that she's ever shared, but something is telling me to apply and I've never been so sure of anything in my life. So I applied for the apprenticeship. Uh, We were told about 150, 120 to 150 people applied. Uh, They were only going to choose one person because so many people applied. They end up choosing seven and I was one of the seven. And then at the end of our like nine or 10 month apprenticeship, Time frame, uh, two of us were invited to take on part time positions within the company because during our apprenticeship, the whole purpose of bringing on the seven apprentices was to develop a brand new year long group program that was also doubling as a certification program. So, this particular entrepreneur had had group programs in the past, but she was developing something new. And she, her big goal was to bring 200 clients, 200 women 
into the program. Now, she had never had 200 people in a program. She had never had 100 people in a program. In fact, I don't think that she had ever had 50 people in a program because at the time, prior to that, she was charging $50,000 to $100,000 to work with her in either a very small group setting or one-on-one. And that is a completely different business model than having a group program that doubles as a certification with 200 people in it. So she knew that she couldn't serve service that or operate that or run that or provide the degree of support that needed to be provided so that those clients made progress, got results, were satisfied, and then would become a long-term client. So two out of the seven of us were offered a job and we we both had our own six-figure business at the time. And we both took on part-time positions working about 20 hours a week. Originally, I was the certification director. My background's in teaching and education. So that was right up my alley. And then just a few months later, I was asked to take on the full-time position to run the whole entire program. Took me a while to finally say yes to that, but I did. And it wasn't just that program that I was then coordinating. I coordinated four large-scale, 12-month-long group programs plus a certification all at the same time. One of those four programs I was running single-handedly, meaning I was the only person on the team that they had access to. They didn't even have access to the entrepreneur I was the one running their Q&A calls. I was the one doing their coaching. And I believe there were times when we probably had five to 600 clients across the four programs that I was overseeing and coordinating. And I did that for three and a half years. And then I had the apprenticeship for about a year. So I have a lot of experience behind the scenes of high growth, very hyper growth, high volume many multiples of millions of dollars coming in just from one program, plus working with a pretty decent sized team, Um, anywhere from five to 20 people uh, were on the team at a time. And I even, I built my own team. I hired my own team to run the program with me because even at, you know, 200 people in a program, I couldn't do that by myself. Uh, When we had 500 people across four programs, I needed a whole team of a handful of people to operate that program while I was leading the program as a leadership position in the company. And then obviously there was the entrepreneur who was continuing to do the things that she needed to do to grow her company, right? If she was doing all the things I was doing, she would have, again, she would have been working 60 hours a week, just running a program because that's what I was doing. So Um, I now have run a lot of my own group programs in my own business since 2017. And recently in the last year, I have ventured into creating a business advisory arm to my company where I'm going in and advising million dollar business owners. And when I say million dollar, I mean their group programs alone are bringing in a million plus dollars income stream into their business. And we're taking a look at what needs to shift and change, be thrown out, reorganized, systematized, processed out. What needs to change now that the numbers have elevated in client enrollment to such a degree that the business owner can no longer play the role the business owner used to play. And what I'm coming in really looking at are a few things. Number one, Now that you've got this high volume of clients that you've never had to serve or manage or lead before, 
uh, what do you need to do differently so that your clients are still getting great results? Because when we start to see numbers increase in enrollment, you start to see client results decline. Uh, What do we need to come in and do so that client satisfaction remains at an all-time high and even increases? What we have seen and what I have studied in the past is that as enrollment increases, your volume of clients increase, client satisfaction also declines. Uh, The other place that I'm looking at is what's going to significantly increase the lifetime value of a client. Because if we can extend the lifetime value of your client to, I'd love to see it be at six figures. I'd love to see the lifetime value of your client be at six figures. Think about that. Think about what would change in your universe if the lifetime value of your client was six figures. Just ruminate on that for a minute. When your lifetime value of a client increases, your marketing spend decreases. It's nine times more expensive to acquire a new client than it is to keep an existing one or sell something else to an existing client. So it's going to drastically increase your profit margins. And then the fourth area that I'm really looking at is removing you as a business owner from up to 80% of day-to-day operations of the programs client support, and program delivery. Now, I can't promise all that is going to happen overnight. There's a bit of a timeline. Everybody's business is different, but that's the angle that I'm coming from. So over the course of the last 10 years of working in this industry, being behind the scenes like I shared, I'm running my own group programs and now serving as a business advisor for many seven-figure earners who have you know, 80% of their income is coming from their leveraged programs. I have a lot of wisdom to share in this category. And this part one is all about the team conversation. I'll I'll be really honest. When I am hired by a business owner to come in, they're not bringing me in to help them with their team. At least that's, it's not even, it's not what they're saying to me at all. They're bringing me in because they want to increase client results and satisfaction, extend the lifetime value of a client, and they want to remove themselves from so much of the work so that they can actually hit their next level income goal, which is typically, you know, they want to double or triple their income in the next one to two years, which is going to take them to two, three, four, five million dollars a year. And things have to change in order for them to do that. Now, when I go in and perform my audit and analysis of what needs to change, I find out that one of the biggest problem areas is in the category of team. So, you know, I was sitting here taking notes on what to cover in this episode, and I wanted to cover the top three things that prevents business owners from surpassing a million dollars a year. And I just had too many things to say about team. So I'm going to run through some points for you. You're definitely going to want to write these down and do your own self-evaluation, do your own analysis of your existing team and how you're operating as a leader, uh, because that is where your greatest growth edge is right now. It truly is. Then uh, part two and part three, I'll share the other two parts with you. So a couple of, here's like a few things about team. Here's some things that I'm seeing that are, you know, they're mistakes, but this is where you're really learning a lot. Um, The first one here is bringing on a lot of different contractors and and having a really big team expenditure on a monthly basis with a bunch of contractors, but none of those contractors are communicating with each other. 
And none of them are fully on board and fully invested in your vision. They may have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten other clients. They may have their own agency and have a full-blown team of people and have a huge client load. And they're not even the ones that are supporting you. It's their team members who are doing the supporting. I have seen this in almost every business that I've gone into to do business advisory with. And one experience I had, I, I needed to get access to a, to some documents that uh, was on a particular platform where you I needed to be given access to it. I need to be given permissions. I had the links, but I didn't have permission to access it because my email address isn't you know part of it. And I went through three different team members. I believe there are like eight or 10 on the team. And I went to the three that I had been communicating with the most throughout my audit phase, asking to give me access to these two links that I was given. None of them could give me access and none of them even tried. They would just say, oh, I don't have access to it either. Good luck. Literally, those were the statements that I was being told in email or message. And you know, when I get brought in, I try to do most of my communicating with the team because they have access to all this stuff and so that I'm not bogging down the company owner because that's the biggest company owner's problem. They're being bogged down by all these things that their team are not able to perform. And finally, I had to reach out to the team member on Facebook Messenger and say, hey, can you give me access to these two links that you shared with me? Because I can't, I can't get them. I don't have access to them. And so here I am going to the company owner, not even a team member, and having to get the, that company owner to give me access to something that every single team member on the team should have been able to give me access to. And if the team members that I was talking to didn't have access to it, they should have had the wherewithal and the anticipation to go find out themselves and then tell me instead of me having to go to the company owner. Because that was just another illustration that something like that is probably happening 20 times a day to that company owner. If that's happening 20 times a day to you, you are not going to be able to grow beyond where you've gotten yourself to at this point. The next thing I want to share about team. Hire, I'm seeing company owners hiring team members before the company owner has built out strong enough systems and processes for the team member to come in and actually know what their position requires. So there are a lot of company owners who are bringing team members on and expecting, it doesn't even matter who they hire. It's like whoever I hired, having this expectation that that person is literally going to know what to do without any systems or processes already in place. And that is just not the case at all. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. And people are bring, being brought in who have a skill level that is more of a technician, where if you're bringing on technicians, then the company owner does have to tell them every single thing to do. Or if you've got people in manager level positions, which at a million dollars a year, you probably don't unless you've got like one in a position or a manager has to do that. You need to bring on people who have the skill level and knowledge base so that you are not having to tell them every single thing to do. And you also can't bring somebody in expecting them to literally create their own position, right? It's just not going to happen. It, it leads to a lot of problems and issues. 
Uh, Next, I'm going to recommend that you flip your organization chart upside down. And what do I mean by that? Start by mapping out your end game organizational chart. When your company is 10 years down the road from, from this day forward, 10 years from now, what does the organization chart need to look like in order for you to create the company that you want to create? Map out the positions and then map out the responsibilities and accountabilities of each position. So what people are doing is they're thinking about the person they want to bring in and they're thinking of like, oh, well, this person, you know, just think of somebody in their name. I could bring her on or I could bring him on. They'll be great at this position without even knowing what the position is supposed to do, without even knowing what outcomes that position should be working towards so that the company reaches its goals. So flip the organizational chart upside down. Instead of thinking about the people you're going to bring in, think about the positions that need to be filled and go ahead and create the responsibilities and accountabilities of that position. Then you find someone who has the equal attitude, skill level, desire, and base like all being all in on your vision, bring that person in. So next, uh, the other thing that I'm noticing really needs to shift and change in seven-figure companies is the team meeting structure. I'm hearing that people are having only one team meeting a month. I'm hearing that company owners are having four, five, and six meetings a week, but separately with each department. And, you know, all of that could really be cleaned up. I highly recommend having one team meeting a week. And uh, what we teach our clients is to follow the team meeting process that is laid out in the book Traction. It's phenomenal. And then you can adapt that. But what it does is it brings everybody together across departments and everyone's communicating. Everyone knows what every other team member is working towards. And every team member is uh, reporting on particular outcomes every single week so that the rest of the team and the company owner knows what type of progress the whole team is making toward company goals. And then the last thing I'll share here is hire a client success coordinator. If you're already at a million dollars and you've got a group coaching program, multiple group coaching programs with high volume enrollment, you need to hire a client success coordinator. Uh, Running your own programs and the logistics and managing the program and delivering and client support, you can no longer do that all by yourself anymore. It's just, you're not going to be able to do it. Your job is to develop your own curriculum for the program and show up to what you need to show up for, whether that's teaching a couple of times a week or doing hot seat coaching. You are out acquiring new talent. You are out leading from the front. You are out growing your company. You are out possibly even building other companies. Uh, You are expanding your existing company. You are leading your leaders on your team. You don't have time to do the coordinating of your program. I'm going to do an entire episode. Uh, it'll Maybe I'll make it into part four of this series on what is a client success coordinator? What is the role they play? Why do you need one? You know, how do you look for one? And, and what does that role really encompass in your company? So be on the lookout for that. Okay, that's, I'm going to wrap up part one here. That was just some things on team that you can start thinking about and I would start by doing an audit of your own team and leadership as it relates to your team. And then next week, we're going to dive into part two 
on Beyond a Million. That conversation is going to be about client retention. And then part three, we're going to talk about upgrading lifestyle too quickly. So if you love this episode, I would invite you to follow me and connect with me on Instagram. Um, Follow me over there. You can connect with my content. We can be chatting in the DMs and get to know each other better. If you have any questions about this subject and this topic based on where you're at in your business, that's the best place to connect with me. So come on over to Instagram, Megan J. Huber. Send me a DM. Let me know where you're at. Send me your questions. And uh, until next time, remember, make sure you're designing a business and life that is built to last. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.